Nicely done, Beef. When football fans everywhere cheer for their team, they're cheering for you too, because your savory snacks fuel the gridiron battle. With your tasty sliders, hearty chilies, and drool-worthy steaks, every option is an MVP. Most valuable protein. So gather around the TV and get cooking at beefitswhatsfordinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. And welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We have finally made it to Thanksgiving week. 11 games in the book right now. Mississippi State at 7-4. and four. And getting ready to take on Ole Miss in the battle for the Golden Egg. Ole Miss coming in at 9-2 and two on the season. And, Charlie, I know we'll have our Tracks Plus deep dig, I guess, on Wednesday this week, getting ready for the Thursday game. But, man, I tell you what, just looking back at the previous 11 games, we talked about this on Sunday Coffee just a couple of days ago. This is a Mississippi State team that is probably playing as well as we have all season long, maybe as healthy as we've been all season long, and probably playing its best on offense and defense as we have all season long. Well, healthy as far as we know. That Yeah, that's a great point. You know, Mike Leach is not one to publicize. But I'll say this. The, the training staff did not appear to be getting a workout. I didn't see a lot of tent activity we here didn't this see a, past ball game. Wasn't a whole lot of scrambling around. When you guys – I tell you what, here's the thing. When you, when you look at those guys who have the tape and all the scissors and stuff from the you know wrapped around them on a belt, when that stuff starts flopping around, that's when you know that they're in a hurry. Yeah, you, you like those guys to be really bored. Yeah, bored and, and calm. That seemed to be what we had this past Saturday. And so you feel good about where you're headed coming into the Egg Bowl. Now, let me ask you this. We talk so much about injuries. And, look, Mike Leach is a guy who talks all the time. He doesn't like to fill the heads of his players with things they can't control. One of the things that he doesn't put a lot of time getting in their head is the weather. If forecaster to be believed, and we still got some time for that to sort out, we got a chance and a likelihood of being cold and rainy. How do you feel? Well, that's one of the things that, you know, to be honest with you, Charlie, and I, I hate to say this, that there's anything negative at all, is you kind of wonder about this offense on a natural surface with some rain. And I'm not talking about – I don't think it's supposed to be like a blowing, you know, just a thunderstorm pouring down. I don't think that's what they're projecting right now. But you kind of wonder about it being cold, rainy, wet, kind of like it is late in the season at Washington. And, you know, that was kind of the troubles that that they had late in the season up in Pullman with this offense especially against Washington that was their rival. Now, the difference in Washington back then and Ole Miss right now, you know, Washington was very physical and probably the more physical team than Washington State at that time. I don't know if Ole Miss is more physical than we are. Now, they do run the ball more. Jerry and Ely, they run it a lot more than we do. The thing you wonder about and you worry about is the big play. And I th- but I think this game kind of comes down to, just at 10,000 feet, what defense can get the most stops. And I really like our defense compared to their defense of getting more stops than Ole Miss. And isn't it kind of noteworthy that you seize upon the defense right there because all the talk coming into this ball game is going to be about Will Rogers and Matt Corral. But you could make the argument that the defensive coordinators – 
may be the MVPs of this ball game. You know, whoever wins it may look at their defensive coordinator and say, "That's why we got that guy." And so then it begs the question: Does you know how do these teams play it defensively? And we talked about this in our post game show on Saturday, and about how important our cornerbacks are going to be in this game. You know, when Ole Miss. You know, goes down the field. They've got three really good receivers, three solid receivers, and they got a quarterback who has a very good arm. Matt Corral's got a great arm, so you kind of wonder about the man-to-man coverage on the outside, about Martin Emerson, and then Emmanuel Forbes. You know how are those guys, how are those guys going to be man-to-man? Now, early in the season, we gave up big plays in the, in the vertical passing game. What's the vertical passing game going to look like on Thursday night? I think that's the big key. You know how we always talk about what's the matchup? I'll give you a matchup to watch that may decide this game. I'll take it. Scott Lashley at right tackle and Sam Williams at defensive end. I agree with that. Now, here's the thing. You know, Sam Williams will line up a lot on that right side of the Ole Miss defense. But that's the thing about being on the defensive side compared to the offensive side. You're not going to flip your tackles. I was going to say, you want to bet? You you don't want to get – I mean, you can't get Charles Cross – to just say, okay, follow Sam Williams, that would be easy. Now, Ole Miss has the luxury of being able to do that on the defensive side, and so I think you're going to see that matchup with Sam Williams. Now, with Sam Williams typically coming from the blind side, you know that's where he really puts a lot of pressure on you from a thought process from a quarterback, that clock in the back of your mind. If he comes up from the right side, at least Will Rogers will be able to see that rush because Sam Williams, let me tell you, He's one of the top five pass rushers in the SEC. Oh, absolutely. When you start looking at defensive ends who are on the field a lot, look, Will Anderson is the guy. Look, Will Anderson is probably the best defensive end in football. He may be the best player in college football, the defensive end at Alabama. May be the best player in college football. But you start cycling through it, and I think Sam Williams is right there behind him. Is he as good? No, maybe not, but – I mean, you look, you've got uh, the the guy at South Carolina who's been really good. I don't even know how to say his last name. Enig Bari, whatever it is. That's close enough. Yeah, that's what we'll go with. Apologies, uh, apologies to his mama if he's wrong. Yeah, but, but then, I mean, those are the three guys to me who really jump out in this league. Yep, no doubt. Hey, on the show today, we're going to talk to a couple of guys who have played in this game and talk about the emotion of playing in the battle for the Golden Egg. Kevin Fant, former Bulldog quarterback, will join us. And then later in the show, Mario Hagan will join us as well. And, of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They have agents in every county in the state of Mississippi. Great rates. Above all else, Charlie, just good people. Well, they're the people that were around every day. So, Farm Bureau, check them out. Favorites.com, by the way. Favorites.com. Back with a conversation with Kevin Fant, former Bulldog quarterback. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're at the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. It's Battle for the Golden Egg Week, so we thought we'd talk to a couple guys who played a major part in the Battle for the Golden Egg for Mississippi State against Ole Miss. First, we'll talk to Kevin Fant, former Bulldog quarterback for Mississippi State. And, Charlie, one of the things I think of with Kevin Fant, he was a guy that came from a very prolific high school down at Moss Point, 
an outstanding high school quarterback, and it was a big deal when we got Kevin Fant. Now, he played through some injuries when he got here, but the thing I remember about Kevin Fant since 2001, coming in here Thanksgiving night, Eli Manning was on the other sideline for Ole Miss, and we walked out a winner. That's one of the one of the unexpected wins, didn't you think? You know, that team had had a lot of expectations coming in. It struggled to live up to them. But that night got things together. Desenzo Miller had a good night. Dante Walker had a good night. Remember Justin Jenkins from Pearl, the receiver? Oh, yeah. He had a big night. And then um, Mario Hagan defensively, who we'll talk to, was just outstanding as well. Yeah, looking forward uh, to these conversations with Kevin Fant and Mario Hagan. And this conversation brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus, they're tripling their shop size down in the fine city of Hickory, Mississippi. Hickory is on I-20, of course, between Decatur and Meridian. And that's where the home store is with Tracks Plus in Hickory. Then you've got a store between Starville and Columbus on Highway 82. And then down in Summit, Mississippi, and Alexandria, Louisiana. So if you're in Columbus, go by and see Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton. If you're in Hickory, go by and see Ken Crosby. Those guys can help you out. If you're down in Southwest Mississippi and Summit, Grace Howell can help you out with any of your needs with Barco or Saney. And then Hoop Weems over in Alexandria, Louisiana. And if you're in the market for something used, I mean, you don't want to spend just a ton of money, but you want to do something with some really good used equipment, go by and see those guys as well. They are the largest used equipment forestry dealer in the southeast, and that's our good friends at Trax Plus. And so let's go to the phone and talk to one of the guys that won the 2001 Egg Bowl, and Bulldog quarterback Kevin Fant will join us. And, Kevin, appreciate you hanging out with us for a little bit. Oh, that's my pleasure. So you look back to – I look back to your high school career and some of the things that I think of, the first things I think of you is that big rivalry between Moss Point and South Panola. And, of course, you were the quarterback at Moss Point and – Seemed like you guys were playing each other for the state championship every year. You played each other early in the season, kind of a home-away series early in the year. And then you end up as a quarterback at Mississippi State. You know, what do you remember about your recruitment and how you ended up in Startville? Well, speaking of that South Nola rivalry, three years in a row, we beat them by three points. That was some heck of a ball games. And I tell everybody all the time, you know, before South Nola went on their run, they were still really good back then. We just happened to. Get the best of them back then, and they had had a couple more state championships. They've been, they was good for a long time, and we were just fortunate enough to get the best of them. But that South Panola game, my senior year, that first game after we played each other twice in the state championship, uh, hurt my knee and finished the game. And I tell my players all the time, I was fortunate enough to win a couple state championships in high school. But I think people, when they come up to me and ask me about high school, they ask me about that one game first of the year more than anything else. <laughs> And I guess that was the game that I guess everybody considered me to be a tough guy anyway because South Carolina was really good and they hit really hard. Without doubt. But coming to state, I mean, and we're going to talk to Mario Hagan in just a little bit, and he was one of those guys from Clarksdale. They ended up playing South Panola. It's kind of that same time frame there. Man, you start talking about some of those high school rivalries you used to have in the state of Mississippi. And, man, everybody in the state kind of looked forward to those big matchups. But then, you know, you come to Mississippi State and you play for Coach Jackie Sherrill, and you're you're kind of thrust into the spotlight early in your career. Well, I played my red shirt freshman year, the last game of the year at Ole Miss. And then I, I think I started starting last four or five games my sophomore year. And really good times. We had, a, we had a good group back then, and I enjoyed the best out of it. 
I was fortunate enough to go through the recruiting process, and I had I was blessed to have a number of offers, but you know, I wanted to stay in Mississippi because back then Mississippi, uh, I don't want to say a bad name for other athletes leaving the state, so I wanted to stay in Mississippi and had a three big schools. Mississippi State felt like home to me when I was at all three campuses, and when I went up there, I just felt like I could stay there. And an old man told me something. Can't even remember who did it. it was an older guy. Told me something I never forget, and I still tell my players if they get the opportunity. Go somewhere. If God takes away football from you and you can't play another down, you'd be happy there without football. And that was the one place I was. I felt, I felt if God took football away from me, I could be happy no matter what there. So that's why I choose Mississippi State. I've been blessed. Kevin, I think back to that time, you know, Bart mentioned Mario Hagan, you – there were a number of guys, I think of Ray Ray Bivens, you know, these guys who were top recruits chose to stay in state. You're coaching now, but throughout your time, how important is it just kind of being from Mississippi to, to see our guys stay in the state of Mississippi? I think it's, uh, like you said earlier, you know, people that love football, you know, love to watch high school, keep up with it, and be honest with you, that's where it's pure. When somebody like yourself or, Anybody that keeps up with high school football, you know, keeps track of a name like Mario Hagan of Parksdale, and and then they stay in state, and you get to keep up with them. I don't want to say more often because you know, most people in the state are going to have the TV on if Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Southern Miss is on TV. They're going to watch their home schools, and I think just people keeping up with you and the love for your state and love for your hometown. It's no different than I look at it like be from Moss Point. You know, I don't coach Moss Point. I'm not far from there, but, you know, there's still a part of me there. That that's where I grew up, and I, I think that's part of why I think you need to stay in state. But, you know, I can't say that. Everybody, their own individual, and you got to go where you think you're going to be happy in the long run. But uh, for me, I, I felt like staying in the state of Mississippi and representing my home state was a big part of my recruitment. Kevin, let's look back to that 2001 game, and it's your sophomore year, as you said, and, you know, things had not gone to plan that year. It was just one of those things that it kind of unraveled for us early in the year. And playing against Ole Miss, and, of course, Jackie Sherrill was a part of that rivalry and was your head coach, and I know he played a big part in making that game big. It was really, really big game. How tough is it to be a Mississippi guy to kind of – you shield all of the outside noise away because you know how big that game is and how big this game is Thursday night. Is it tough for a player to to kind of get rid of the noise and and just focus on what is quote unquote another game? Now that's the thing about football. You got so many different people. Like you know, a basketball game, you got five, ten people at once usually getting a game. Baseball, you're looking anywhere from relief pitching from nine to fifteen. But in football, you usually got 11 starters on offense, 11 starters on defense, and then usually it's totally different in college when it comes to special teams. So you can get up to 40-something people on the field. And that's a whole lot of different personalities, different mindsets. So every individual is a lot different. And there's a lot of different factors that fall into that. But for me, it wasn't too hard because and I try to stay focused. It's like a crowd noise. Staying mentally focused, it does help. Does the crowd noise that a factor? Yes. Does the, for lack of better words, hoopla that goes on during the week play a factor? Yes, it does. But for your really focused players, it really doesn't make a difference. But some people can can let it get to them. 
and that's a that's a known fact. So I'd have to say for me, it wasn't a, as big a deal because I don't put myself in the limelight. And I didn't back then. I just, you know, God blessed me, and I was just taking the opportunity as it came and went from there. Kevin, I think back to that 2001 game, and you had a good game. You throw for over 250 yards in that game. Justin Jenkins, a receiver guy from Pearl, had a good game. Both our running backs played well, DeCenzo. But the play that I remember, for all the criticism that Mississippi State used to get for being a conservative offense, that was the first time I remember seeing what we now call like the Wildcat, snapping the ball in the direct snap to Ray Ray Bivens and getting the touchdown. Were you, were you on the field in that play? I think I went out to the receiver position, if I remember right. Play where Ray Ray came in, went around the right side, actually jumped in the air with the ball up in his hand. It was a great play, and, and Ray, Ray, Ray Ray could run, and he was a big young man. How much do you keep up with the, those old guys? I'm not a guy that gets that a whole lot, but I do try to keep up with the guys I play with, even the guys that were older than me that I looked up to, like Kenny Williamson and Don Gibson, Morgan, Morgan Josh's, and mine Rob's at uh, Warren Center. So I, I try to keep up with them, how they're doing. Kevin, I'm curious, as you sit back now and you watch Mississippi State play and you see an offense throwing it all around, as if you could put yourself back in that high school mode as a quarterback, is that something as a, a young quarterback people would like to do is to, to be able to throw the ball that much? I mean, Meyer, you ask any quarterback that they want to throw it, he's going to say yes. <laughs> but uh, I guess I've got a little bit of old school in me, but, yeah, I play quarterback. Would I like to throw it more? I'd be lying to you if I said no, but I'm a little old school, so I do. I love a good running game, and that's sometimes a quarterback's best friend. With Mike Leach's offense and the way he throws it around and a uh, great offense. Yeah, I would like to throw it a little bit more, but heck, I'm, a, I'm an old quarterback. I'm going to say that. And I do believe that running game is the quarterback's best friend at times. No doubt. Sometimes as a blocker, too. And so you're a high school coach now and been in high school coaching for a while now. What do you take from what you learned from, you know, a Jackie Sherrill to your team now? How has the game changed in high school football? And that's one of the things that Charlie and I have talked about is how the game has progressed in the state of Mississippi to get guys ready to play at the Division One level. And talk about the progression of the high school game, especially down there on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It a lot of depends on where you're at. If you're at a bigger school with big teams and more to choose from and very athletic, yeah, most of them are going to a back system. And but it depends on the system. Like if you're a picky in or where we're at, it goes back to old school. However, you can put points on the ball, whether it's running it 50 times a game and or throwing it 50 times. You know, it doesn't really matter what you do. But I think high school guys are trying their best. And I think although I'm not a huge social media guy. I think social media has played a huge part in that, too. Well, guys are getting their names out there, getting to more camps, doing more of a personalized training when it comes to that. It's no different than I look at the ACT. Back when I took the ACT in high school, they just said, hey, you got to go take the ACT. Nowadays, high schools are prepping kids for the ACT more, way more than back when we were in school. And I think high school football coaches kind of do the same. You know, I try to tell kids all the time, get to as many camps as you can and mainly to go against stiffer competition throughout the summer. But, yeah, I do believe you're right, and there, but there is a factor in there that sometimes you can sit there and try to mimic college offenses and it don't fit your system. If it goes back to old school, you got to do whatever you can to put points on the board. 
No doubt. Hey, man, appreciate you joining us 20 years ago since that night, 2001, where <laughs> where we won your sophomore year. And, hey, appreciate it. No, don't be a stranger. Come see you sometime. I try to get up there as much as I can. Uh, when it goes from football, from my football, to dealing with my kids. Now i got three young kids. If, if they have a nice week, i got something to do except Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> so we had basketball games Saturday. I didn't even get to watch much football Saturday because my kids had games. So I, I get up there when I can, and really the mess I don't want to do get up there. No doubt. I appreciate you calling anytime. Absolutely. Proud of you, man. Doing a great job down in right, Van thank Cleve. You. Thank you, sir. And that's Kevin Fant, former Bulldog quarterback. Charlie, you know, after graduating, you know, Kevin Fant got into the high school ranks. He's done a real good job down in South Mississippi. He's been down at East Central. He was down at Moss Point for a while, and now the head coach at Van Cleve. And it's good to catch up with Kevin. I mean, just a guy who was a big Mississippi State guy, comes back a good bit. He's got the kids now, kind of like us now. You know, when you when you got kids, you've got ball games on the weekends and things of that nature. But, man, just a great guy, and it was good to sit down and talk with him. Well, Kevin Fant, man, that was one of the big-time recruits that we had back in – we had a couple of really good recruiting years right through there, and Kevin Fant right at the top of that. No doubt. So, good conversation with the former Bulldog QB. And when we come back, we'll flip to the defensive side of the ball, and we'll talk to Mario Hagan, the pride of Clarksdale, Mississippi, on the other side of the break. And once again, this conversation with Kevin Fan was brought to you by our friends at Trax Plus. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. Good conversation with former QB1 for Mississippi State. When do we start doing that? When do we start labeling everything? You know, instead of pass protection, it's pass pro. Instead of the starting quarterback, it's QB1. I kind of want to go back to the old style. Our former starting quarterback, Kevin Fant, and that was him just a minute ago, and now a guy that – was on the defensive side, and Charlie, a guy not only that was a leader on the field, but a leader in the locker room, a very vocal guy, Mario Hagan. Man, just want I tell you what, on the defensive side, one of the greats to play here. Oh, absolutely. You know, a guy that came in here towards the end of that great defensive success we were having in the late 90s, and then just continued to play well a couple of years into the 2000s. And then, look, this guy played, what, 11 years? You know, in the NFL, this is a big-time football player. No doubt. In this conversation brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi, down in Florence, Mississippi, at Cooper's Country Meat Packers. Henry Cooper and the gang down there just producing the finest sausage known to man. For so long, they were in all the fine restaurants in the southeast. A lot of great restaurants in New Orleans carried Country Pleasing as far as their andouille and just all the great the things that they put together in the fine cuisine in New Orleans, but now they've kind of switched around a little bit. They're still in the great restaurants, but they're now also in your local grocer. So check them out. Country pleasing. It just doesn't get any better than this Mississippi made product made here in Florence, Mississippi. And now let's talk with our good friend, Mario Hagan. All right. So let's go to the phones and we are joined by former NFL player, former all SEC player and a 2015 SEC football legend, Mario Hagan. Mario, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Scott, thanks for having me on, man. I, I really appreciate it. All right, so first and foremost, and we'll talk about your time at Mississippi State, but I think back to when you were here 
and then kind of following you, there were a lot of guys that came through this Mississippi State football program from Clarksdale, Mississippi, and a lot of guys who were kind of overlooked a little bit during the recruiting process. I'm curious, how did you end up at Mississippi State, and uh, are you going to take credit for starting that wave of Clarksdale guys? I, you know what? I think I will take that take credit for starting that wave. <laughs> uh, as far as I re- the, the big wave that is, I know we had some guys, uh, Calvin Zanders, and uh, amongst the other Rocky Neighbors and other guys, Eddie Miles, that were played at Mississippi State in the uh, late '80s, early '90s. Uh, but there was a big gap prior to myself uh, enrolling and signing with Mississippi State. And so after I came, you had a numerous amount of guys, uh, Brandon Down and Robert Spivey, Curtis Kemp, Darren Williams. Man, we had a, a, a host of guys that uh, wanted to come to Mississippi State. Then later on with J.T. Gray, Elson Jenkins, uh, Cy Spurs, man. So, yeah, I like to think I had a, a lot to do with that, with the success I had at Mississippi State. So what was your recruitment like? We like to think of our Bulldogs as being Bulldogs always, but what was it that got you pointed to Mississippi State? Well, I can tell you what. Being, being from Clarksdale, honestly, I was uh, afraid of, one, leaving home, going too far. I, I wanted to kind of stay in state. And uh, when I first came to, my, the thing that got my attention is I came to a football camp and Coach Tompkins was there. We were doing seven-on-seven type drills and stuff. And he um, told me that one day I was going to be a, a linebacker at Mississippi State. At the time, I didn't really recognize. I'm just a young sophomore, young junior, just glad to hear a coach give him some love, man. And so when I had the opportunity to come back, that same coach, Coach Thompson, on my revision, looked at me and said, are you ready to, uh, uh, to make my prediction come true? And so at that point, man, I kind of I love the fact that a guy that had seen me years earlier uh, and I go on my visit, and he said has the same feelings about me, and playing uh, under him was a big deal for me as a kid. So that was one of the uh, probably the biggest factor in me coming to Mississippi State. Talking to Mario Hagan and Mario along those lines, you know I was working out. I don't work out near enough as I should, but I was in a workout place a few weeks ago, and this guy walks up to me and says, "You don't have enough weight on there, son." And it was Jim Tompkins. And so you, you talk about Coach T. And we so much time we talk about head coaches and coordinators, but a guy like Jim Tompkins, what kind of coach was he? Because let me tell you something. You talk about a guy who put a lot of guys in the NFL. Jim Tompkins put a lot of guys in the NFL. What kind of coach was Jim Tompkins? He's the kind of coach that I still call him at least four or five times a year right now. Uh, he's the kind of guy that every time I uh, make a two star bill, I make sure that I talk to him. He's the kind of guy that if he's, uh, sick or anything, I drive to Starville to see him and make sure he's okay. He was one of those coaches that always believed in me, always pushed me. And here's a little known fact, and I don't think many people knew. Joe Lee was not very uh, favorable of me playing linebacker. I don't think Joe Lee Dunn was, uh, at first, thinking I had what it takes to be a SEC or the type of linebacker that played in his defense. And Coach uh, Thompson, I know for a fact went to war and told Coach Jolie that this is going to be the guy, he's my guy, and that we're going to roll with him. And needless to say, he and Jolie went back and forth for weeks, maybe even months. But needless to say, Coach Thompson had the right idea more so than Coach Jolie done did. Rest in peace. You know, I look at your career here. You were second-team all-conference twice, first-team all-conference your final year before going in the draft. 
what was it for you that kind of made things click? You know, it's it just seems so difficult to make that jump from high school football to the SEC and to, to go as quick as you did to being an all-SEC caliber player. What was it that made things work for you? Well, I just uh, somehow I, I knew I wasn't going back to the strength of clutch there. There was nothing at home for me to go back to. I promised my mom I would go to college and make something of myself. I'd graduate. And I knew it was only one way for me. And I had to get it right on and off the field. And once I understood what it took off the field, everything on the field started going right. I just wanted to work hard, and I never wanted to go back to Cluster and sit there and do nothing. So that was my one opportunity. I understood that if I didn't take this opportunity to make the best of it, there's no telling what my life would have been or could be now. And so that was it, man, just understanding that I could not go back home empty-handed, and this was the one big opportunity. And I made sure I was going to take advantage of it. Talking to Mario Hagan, former Bulldog grade. Mario, let me tell you this. In the late 1990s, I broadcast and I got my start in broadcasting with Louisville High School. And so for four straight years, Louisville played Clarksdale in the playoffs. And when I think of you, I think of guys like Tarnaka Counselor. Man, that was a name I hadn't thought about in a long time. I think about a Robert Spivey. Of course, Darren Williams was a little bit behind you guys. And, man, just about that monster program that you guys had over in Clarksdale. And then you come here, you have that success. Looking at the way the game is played today, how different is it for a linebacker in today's game? compared to when it was when you were at Clarksdale and then at Mississippi State and on into the pros? Well, today it's just it's more of a passing league, a lot of uh, passing games, a lot of finesse. Linebackers aren't as big as they once were. I was a, a 6'3", 255-pound linebacker roaming the middle and the outside. You think about guys like Baron Simpson, who was a 230, 240-pound backer. Now, Baron Simpson would fit great in today's game because he's a smaller linebacker. He could have probably paid, played at 215, 220. Uh, it just changed, though. The scheme, the, everybody wants to spread. Everybody wants to, the, court, the read option type of deal. And they get five receivers, four receivers on the on the field at a time, uh, speaking of that type of air raid type of offense that we have. So a guy like myself would probably have been uh, putting his hand in the dirt, playing defensive end, getting after the quarterback, making making his money and making him pay that way. So uh, just just from a size standpoint, for me personally, I wouldn't have fit the linebacker mode. I would have been a defensive lineman in today's game. Uh, guys have to be fast. Guys have to think. Guys have to be able to cover. And so with Joe, Joe Lee Dunn defense, and even in high school back with Coach Jim Hughes at the time, we did a lot of blitzing, a lot of forcing, uh, forcing gaps, shooting gaps and things like that. So that would be the biggest difference. The size of the linebackers and the uh, and just the passing game. I mean, guys, so they uh, teams throw 65, 70% of the time now. And back in my day, they ran 70, 70% of the time and, and threw the ball about 30% of the time. It's a team like Alabama, LSU, Auburn. So those are the biggest difference. Uh, the pass and the run has kind of changed the ways. Uh, the pass is first, now run second. Mario, I think back to your career. Obviously, it's the Ole Miss game this week. We've got a Thanksgiving night game. And when I think back to your career, particularly in that ball game, I think of that 2001 game here in Starville, and just it seemed like you were getting after Eli Manning all night long. Uh, what's your big memory of the matchup between State and Ole Miss? Man, that could be several, man. Uh, one, the funniest one is uh, that game you mentioned, 2001, and we're getting after Eli. And I think the biggest moment of that, of that game was uh, I hit Eli, and they called uh, uh, roughing the passer, 
and all over the uh, screen, obviously on ESPN, everyone was calling Archie was calling me a cheap SOB. So that you know, that's a funny moment and, and, and the thing because we we were getting out this son and nobody feared Eli. And I think Archie didn't like the way we was playing physical because that's the way you had to play against a quarterback like that. But if you talk about one of the best memories, uh, obviously it's probably uh, and during this time in the last twenty years, the biggest memory for getting this rivalry man, it's called the kick. You know, we were yep. down, I think twenty to six with a, with a, just a short amount of time left. And the final nail in the coffin, man, is Robert Bain kicks the ball up. And Eugene Clinton catches that thing and races down the sideline, man. And we get Scotty Westerfield over there, old, old Mike Legged Scotty, baby. We kick that thing on in and finish it up. And, you know, you talk about a game where Deuce McAllister carried the ball 42 times and we were having a, having our hands full trying to stop him. And to catch a break like that, I, it, it was it was huge. And I think that's the, uh, for me and my time in Mississippi State, that was probably the biggest play in the Egg Bowl history. You know, early in this show, we talked to Kevin Fant, who was a quarterback in 2001. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, the noise surrounding the game and getting ready and having to lock in on playing this game after, you know, everybody's talking to you away from the field. They Everybody knows how important this game is. If you had a, mis- a, a message for the Mississippi State guys in the locker room right now, what would the message be? It's the same message. It doesn't change. Everybody, the most important people are in this locker room. The most important people are right here with you every day in practice. So everything that's outside of the game, don't listen. The people you need, the people you want, the people that matter in this game. And I'm not saying that fans don't matter. I don't, I'm not saying the supporters of that. But we understood as players, as former players, right now with those guys in the locker room, we understand what they're going through. Stick together, understand every team, every guy, that plays the game, pulls their pants up the same way you do, one leg at a time. And if you take that approach, one leg, you remember, they put it up one leg at a time, take it one play at a time each game, I promise you we'll be holding that Egg Bowl trophy in Starkville this weekend. Well, Mario, man, we enjoyed watching you play at Mississippi State. You had that 10-year NFL career, and uh, you're one of the all-time Bulldog greats, and we really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. Man, anytime. I, I I love talking Mississippi State football. I believe I believe maroon and white, man. Anytime you guys want to hear this old big mouth from the past, <laughs> man, just give me a holler. And thanks for having me on. That's Mario Hagan, former linebacker at Mississippi State. Hey, that's an interesting story. Just talking about how that Jim Tompkins and I did see Jim Tompkins a few weeks ago, Charlie. I know you don't believe that I I have gone and worked out lately because I really don't look like it, but. Jim Tompkins, a guy that really had a great pipeline to the state of Georgia. Oh, man. That guy wore out the GTR to ATL flight, he? he? sure did. Brought he so defined many. the Delta South. Was ASA? Yeah. If ASA gave frequent flyer miles, that guy would have been elite status. Man, he brought so many Georgia guys into the program. But when, he, when they got here, he was a great position coach. And then instead of going with a hand in the ground, like Mario said, that Joe Lee Dunn wanted him to do, he was a great linebacker here. And i tell you what, one of, the, one of the all-time greats. It was just one of the all-time great people, too, and that's our good friend Mario Hagan. So we'll come back. Charlie and I will kind of break it down for you, get you ready for Mississippi State and Ole Miss on Thursday night in our final segment right here on Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. Final segment here before we get you ready for the battle for the golden egg on Thursday night at 6 
6.30. Man, I tell you what, Charlie, this Tuesday, we're a couple days out. I'm already kind of churning with a stomach right now, kind of getting a little nervous. I can't remember. So you look back to 2014, if State wins that game, we may be in the Final Four and in the college football playoff because we'd had one loss, and that would have been against Alabama. So the possibility of going was there. 2015, when we had that slow start, the winner of that game could have possibly gone, and Ole Miss did go to the Sugar Bowl that year. And so, and you, you make it think of something I hate. I hate, and I want to underscore. You know, as a kid, you know, say, never don't use the word hate. I hate a senior day. Well, I was about to actually bring that up. And would you have had – senior day activities last week against Tennessee State. I if think ever. I would have, if ever. Because I go back to that whole point, man. It's, it's you know, Ole Miss had theirs last week playing against Vanderbilt next to last game of the year. And then next year we'll have ours in the next last game of the year. And there's just so many emotions, man. But here's the thing. You know, we don't have many guys. You know, we got some. You know, Charles Cross, you would think probably the way he's going to be graded, maybe playing his last game at home. There's a few. There's some seniors for Mississippi State, but, man, I'm telling you what, people start crying out there, and you've got so many emotions. And I mean, I look back to that night in 2015 when Dak ran onto that field and everybody was crying. It, it, it makes it tough when you start talking about taking the emotion out of the game. And we were talking just a minute ago with Kevin Fant and Mario Hagan about sometimes you have to take all the exterior stuff out and just play the game. To me, that's bringing exterior stuff in. And now everybody does it. But I tell you what, man. It makes it tough. So there will be some emotion. But here's the thing, Charlie, when I look at it, is I think you talk about teams taking on the persona of their head coaches. And now there will be some bad blood when the teams hit the hit the field on Thursday night. But it doesn't seem this year, and it may be, who knows what's going to happen, but it doesn't have that vibe that the vitriol is as high right now among the programs as it's been. It, this may be as healthy, and like I said, it may be different when we get out there Thursday night, but it feels like it's as healthy as it's been in a long time, if you can say the word healthy. Yeah, I I tend not to get as caught up in that as some people. I think the greatest danger to this game is, look, I know everybody wants to play with emotion, and you want to play fired up, and that's fine, but you can't let yourself get emotional to the point that you lose focus on what you're doing. I don't think a Mike Leach coach team is very likely to do that. All the same, I think this is going to be one of those games where you almost need that old Kirby Smart halftime talk that we heard not too long ago made its way around the Internet, which is don't respond. So let me ask you this question, Charlie, and along those points, teams that get emotionally charged up more so than they normally do, sometimes early on when bad things happen, the balloon pops. And it's almost like in this game for a few years there, the team that struck first was the team that won the game. And it almost feels like with both of these coaches coming into this one, with Will Rogers playing kind of beyond his years in the offense, the wide receivers playing well right now, and then Ole Miss with Matt Corral, who's been around that program for a long time now, it kind of has that feel of both of these teams are kind of be kind of level-headed the entire game. And so I say that to say this. In years past, if you come in and you jump out 14 to nothing or 21 to 3 in this game, sometimes it's been over. This is not that year. It feels like if you even if you're up 21 to 3 or whoever's up 21 to 3, the other team is still in it. Yeah, and I think Mississippi State has one advantage there. 
if you fall behind, you're at home, which tends to help, and you've got a track record of being able to come back. Now, all things being equal, if we learned anything from last week, I hope it's the idea of coming out and moving methodically. Was it, let's matriculate the football down the field. That's what I want to see us do because I think this is one. I think Mississippi State probably more dangerous from behind than Ole Miss in this ball game. But being behind is not a place you want to find yourself. You know, the good news is you're able to come back. Bad news, had to come back. Don't want to be there. What I think about this game, and I think you could probably say the same thing for the guys in Oxford right now who are doing this, who are doing the podcasting and previewing the game. I think everybody in this game right now feels good about it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. How crazy is that sound? I mean, I I feel good about it. Looking at the matchups – and I think this is one of those games, if you if you look deep enough and you start trying to find matchups, you see matchups that you can win. Now, I know at Ole Miss you're sitting there saying, hey, they've given up big plays, and our offense is predicated on making big plays, and, yeah, that could play in our favor. But, man, I also look at the matchups for us in this one, and I feel good about it. I really feel good about this game. I wonder this. Is this the game that Ole Miss kind of takes the, the limits that they take the reins off of Corral. You know, Corral has not been running the football as much as he had been. And you go back and you say, is that is because he was hurt? Or is it because they chose not to or a little bit of both? You know, we didn't see him run it much here recently. He is a difference maker. Look, I think he's a really good quarterback. I think when you put the running element in, he's even better. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's willing to kind of turn it upfield. If he is – puts a lot more strain on your defense this week. It definitely does. And we haven't seen a real good running quarterback. This well, is- not one who's a complete passer. You know, obviously, Jefferson at Arkansas is a real good running quarterback. He's a real good running quarterback. But that's run- all he was. Right, and Bo Nix can be a decent running quarterback and throws it okay. And so, Charlie, hey, this segment brought to you by our friends at Mississippi's College Town, Startwell, Mississippi's College Town. You've had so many great events in the fall. You've had brunch and browse on the Sundays following home football games. You've got the Holiday Bazaar that's on the horizon. Hey, the Startwell Community Theater, I don't know about y'all, but we go to that a lot. That's a lot of fun. It's really good. So just so many great things, so many great restaurants in Startwell. So I'll tell you what, the next time you come to Startwell, do a little research, plan it all out. You've got great restaurants here on Main Street, restaurants throughout town. And so – Make our home your home in Startville, Mississippi's college town. Charlie, hey, enjoyed it as always. We'll be back, I guess, tomorrow for our Wednesday deep dig this week, and we'll jump more into the matchups of Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Great to talk with our good friends, former players Kevin Fant and Mario Hagan. And so for Charlie Winfield, appreciate our sponsors once again, Farm Bureau. Go with a home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Tracks Plus, the best Barco and Sania equipment that you could possibly want here in the state of Mississippi and in Louisiana. Country Pleasing Sausage, Startwell, Mississippi's College Town, and Beef, it's What's for Dinner, brought to you by the Mississippi Beef Council, the Mississippi Beef Farmers, and their checkoff. Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.